0: Hello and welcome to the latest Heads Up podcast from the Counselling and Mental Health team. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that we hope will feel relevant to you and that is living with uncertainty. There's an old saying that there are only two things in life that are certain and that is death and taxes. So we all live with at least some uncertainty day to day But because we're living through a global pandemic at the moment, we are all living with a lot more uncertainty. And this can cause a lot of anxiety. But the good news is that it is possible to live with uncertainty better, and to even find a degree of peace with it. So we're going to talk a bit today about ways in which we can do that. Uh, My name's Effie, and I'm a counsellor. And we also have Paul, who is also a counsellor. And we have a special guest today, Uh, Cat Humphreys who leads our team of mental health advisors. So hello Cat and welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about why living with uncertainty can be so problematic?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hi, thanks very much for having me on the podcast. It's really exciting to be here. Um, so I think everyone appreciates that certainty in their lives. Like we all kind of like to know what's going to happen next and what we can expect when we wake up in the mornings. And um, there are certain circumstances I think most of us find pretty challenging. So you know, waiting for exam results, or if we've gone for tests at the GP, or not knowing if somebody that we're interested in likes us, or you know at the moment, not knowing if a holiday will go ahead or uh, a job offer will go ahead. And some people will really thrive on this you know some people might like like being spontaneous or not mind change too much um, but other people really like to have things kind of planned out and find it easier much easier when they've got a routine to, to live by and and don't really like change and for these people not knowing what the future holds um, can be really stressful um, and that might manifest in like quite a few different ways so you might be more kind of irritable you might find it harder to sleep, you might find that you're lying in bed at night with kind of things going round and round in your head. Or you might kind of try and sort of really plan things out um, and kind of make sure that everything is very organized and ordered and that you you know exactly what's going to happen next in an attempt to take back some control or you might go the other way and try really really hard to avoid putting yourself in situations where you have to tolerate uncertainty at all so not booking the holiday in the first place or you know not going to the doctor even if you think there's something wrong um, so that you don't kind of have to tolerate the uncertainty that that comes next Um, and stress also appears physically for some people so things like headaches and stomach Cakes, um, kind of muscle pain, um, and the root cause of um, you know sort of, sort of worry and, and anxiety um, in in this form is difficulty tolerating uncertainty. But the good news is that it is possible to be able to learn to tolerate
0: uncertainty and to handle it better. Mm, that's really encouraging to hear, and it, it sounds like it. Yeah, there are so many ways in which a difficulty tolerating uncertainty manifests. So it could be mm. physical stress or avoiding certain things or, or over planning and over preparing. But I, I'm interested in particular in how worry features as, uh, as a part of this, this problem. Can you say a bit more about, about why worrying is, can be such a problem?
1: Mm. So worry is um so it's it's this thing that kind of comes out of us having uh, brains that have this kind of amazing capacity for imagination and thinking about the past and thinking about the future, which is kind of unique to humans. Um and, and what worry is is a kind of circular sort of rumination either on things that have happened in the past um or things that we think might happen. Usually when we talk about worry, we're thinking about things that might happen in the future. Um so and what we're normally doing is kind of imagining things that might go wrong or imagining a uh, you know a scenario where things go bad um, so forward thinking worry typically um, kind of starts with what if so what if I don't get a job what if I fail my exams? Um, you know what if there's what if I've got a health problem and um, it usually kind of leads down a bit of a rabbit hole that ends up in the worst case scenario um, so it might not just be I'm worried about failing one exam it's you know I'm going to fail all of my exams and I'm going to get kicked out of uni and I'll never get a job. Um, And it sort of goes on from from there. Um, And many people find that worry is really, really hard to let go of. It's almost addictive and it's really closely related to uncertainty.
2: And Effie, I don't know if I can just just chip in here really. I'm su- supporting what Kat says there. And of course also at the same time really just um, giving some credit to worry. it's very natural and very common. And of course, you know some degree uh, of thinking about the unknown what might go wrong is entirely natural. Actually, there's a real purpose for it. So if we're thinking about um, worst case scenarios, then we can take steps to avoid that happening. So we're using our reasoning to solve problems. You know, this is one of the things that's enabled us to survive and thrive as a species. So it's, it's essential to be able to think about problems, to worry about them to a certain extent. Uh, this is a really important characteristic of being human really and also not only does it help us solve problems it actually does prepare us for if the worst does happen so it provides kind of an insurance I suppose against being completely overwhelmed if the worst does happen so it does serve a purpose and I agree with Kat, It's when it becomes circular when it becomes excessive uh, when there's no resolution to the to the problem you know we've taken all the practical actions we might take and still, there's no resolution, still the thinking goes round and round in circles and that's when it becomes, um, I think, of unhelpful worry. So there are degrees of this, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Paul, and I I think the point at which... um, there's a distinction isn't there between problem solving and worry and often that's been it you know, when when it becomes circular as Paul says and it goes round and round um and you know often worry kind of latches on onto things that we can't problem solve because they're hypothetical they're not actually happening yet so um if we take the example of you know um, an exam which is a thing that is really natural to feel anxious about and, and I think most of us will have had that experience at some point during our, our lives you know we I might feel anxious before the exam um, and, and in that situation the problem is I have to sit an exam and I want to do my best so there are concrete actions that I might take you know I might plan my revision make sure I you know get a good night's sleep the night before and make sure I have a good breakfast um, so that's the kind of problem solving that Paul's talking about you know these kind of very clear actions that I can take to mitigate the risk of something going wrong but then afterwards I have to tolerate the uncertainty of not knowing whether the exam has gone well or not whether I've actually passed. Um, So I can be 99% sure I've done everything that I need to do and I've prepared, but there'll be that tiny, tiny little bit of doubt that goes, but what if? What if you got it completely wrong? And for people who have trouble tolerating uncertainty, that is the bit... It's really tricky. It's almost like um, like a peanut allergy. Um, if you're allergic to peanuts, then the tiniest bit of, of a peanut can trigger a really huge reaction. It's the same thing with uncertainty. If you have trouble tro- tolerating uncertainty, the tiniest bit of uncertainty can be enough to kind of for that little bit in your brain to latch onto and go, yeah, but what if you can't be certain? And then it creates anxiety and it creates worry. Uh, it creates that kind of circular thinking where you're going over and over. It. Again in your head. So, somewhere in my mind, this kind of feels like a helpful thing to do because it makes me feel like I'll be better prepared and I'll know what to do if I do fail and I won't be so disappointed. But unfortunately, you know, the, the actual end result is that I'm probably going to kind of increase my own suffering. Um, You know, the, the, at this point, there's not much I can do about it. So worrying about it isn't particularly helpful. Uh, I'm just going to become more stressed and more anxious. Um, so, you know, it would be better for me if I could accept and tolerate that uncertainty and step away from the worry, um, because at that point, it's not really helping me.
0: Yeah, and of course... It's so much easier said than done, isn't it? You know, th- this ability to step away from worry. Absolutely. I think it can feel almost addictive and, and quite compulsive, the, the need to to worry and to go back over and over and over a problem, mm. even though we know rationally that it's not, <clears throat> it's not helping us, it's not benefiting us. Mm. And if, yeah, if you're somebody who really struggles with worry, there are things that you can do to practice managing it, I guess. Mm. So... Um, Kat, has, you've talked about trying to distinguish with a worry whether, whether there's anything that can be done practically about it. Like, is this a worry that, that, that I can problem solve around? Mm. Is this worry in any way a useful worry? Or is it a worry about something that is so hypothetical that, that there's nothing I can do about it? Mm. So I think approaching worry w- with that question in mind, is there anything I can do, is a, is a good idea. Some people find it it helpful just to kind of write everything down to get to sort of get get everything out of your head everything that's worrying you and and bothering you there's something about that process that is is Mm. helpful for releasing it a bit and I think yeah just just knowing when to let go of a worry Mm. uh, is part of the process Um, and being able to do that being able to step away from your worries
1: Which can feel really hard to do because it becomes kind of almost automatic. You know, it feels like it's something that, um, yeah, it doesn't happen consciously. Sometimes it can kind of feel almost like it's sort of out of our control and it's just something our brain does. Um, So kind of learning to sort of tune into, you know, into that process and what triggers it and Mm -hmm. and, um, what's going on for us at those times is, is a really important step.
0: Yeah, but it seems that there is a a big link between uncertainty and and worrying about it. It's Mm -hmm. almost like the uncertainty fuels the worry. Absolutely. Um, When really we need to learn to accept and live in a state of, of uncertainty.
1: And actually, interestingly, people often find that they cope much better with a problem than they do with a hypothetical worry. When you're in a situation with a problem that needs to be solved, people often find that, that they, they know how to solve it. You know, they handle it much better than they expect they do. It's mm. the unknown, as you say, Effie, it's the uncertainty that really creates that, that anxiety. Mm. Um, yeah. And there are kind of... Uh, certain, uh, you know, we kind of spoke about a bit about the ways in which kind of uncertainty manifests. And there are certain behaviours that you might find yourself doing kind of more of if living with uncertainty is difficult for you. And those behaviours, again, you know, they kind of they can sort of arise almost kind of automatically and they're designed to kind of help us feel safe or reassure us. So, you know, if we go back to the exam example, you know, after the exam, I might go through all my textbooks um, really thoroughly to try and reassure myself that I got the right answers. Or if I'm worried that there's something, if I've got a health symptom that I'm worried about, I might keep Googling it to try and, you know, kind of check out whether I'm okay and try and reassure myself. The the problem is, of course, that, you know, these worries we're talking about, they are are hypothetical you know it's not possible to be certain so we might reassure ourselves for a short time and the anxiety might come down but then if the worry comes back we might other also find ourselves kind of looking to other people for reassurance or overly planning or, or preparing we might Go the other way and try to, you know, avoid things. So, as I said before, so that we can kind of just we not have to, not have to deal with the uncertainty at all. And there's a kind of balance, isn't there? You know, between kind of sensible sort of behaviours that you know precautions that we might take to sort of eliminate risk. Like I said, the things you might do to prepare so you don't fail an exam, or kind of checking an email before you send it. But if you're checking um, the email 20 times, then you know that that becomes much less helpful, you know, and so I suppose, you know, another example might be, you know, putting a seatbelt on when I get in my car is a sensible precaution that most people would take. Um, and I think hopefully we can all agree on that. But you know, never getting in my car, never driving anywhere to make sure that I never get in an accident is something that's significantly, you know, going to interfere with my quality of life. And, and at that point it's become a problem and maybe something that I need to
0: think about doing something about. Hmm. And I believe these are these are sometimes known as safety behaviours. So, behaviours that are designed to help, but but that can actually keep us quite stuck.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. They kind of give us the illusion of safety. They, mm. they make us feel like we're doing something, um, yeah, as as it says on the tin, to keep ourselves safe, um, to make ourselves feel feel better. But actually, the 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 What happens is that you know they reduce our anxiety in the very short term, but then then the anxiety kind of keeps coming back and we end up in this kind of cycle where we keep having to do things to make ourselves feel better.
2: I think it sounds to me like what what you're talking about in a way is developing the kind of um psychological maturity, if you like, growing up really to be able to live with the inevitable fact of uncertainty. So all those things trying to control things that are actually ultimately not controllable. Mm. which is why I think it's so important to to cultivate that skill you were talking about earlier, to be able to distinguish between uh, what you can practically control, Mm. which is actually quite limited. It might be just your actions and your values and your beliefs. Ultimately, those are the things in your control, whereas Mm -hmm. final outcomes, like the final outcome of an exam or uh, what's going to happen with coronavirus or whether or not people are going to... To like us those things are all outside of our control they're subject to a whole bunch of other variables and causes so uh, actually if we can focus our attention and our energy on what we can control so Mm -hmm. particularly our actions that can be much more fruitful much healthier and of course it means yes we do have to learn to live with and tolerate the inevitable Mm -hmm. fact of uh, uncertainty you know, it's an uncertain world, it's an uncertain life.
1: Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, w- w- with uncertainty, you know, we can either pour all our energy into eliminating uncertainty, which is just impossible and exhausting. Um, and, and as you say, there are so many things that are outside of our control that we'll never be able to do that, um, or we can learn to tolerate it. You know, those are really the only two options we, we have. Um, yeah. Thank you, mm-hmm. Paul. That's a really good point.
0: So, so I guess it's it's the, the awareness that underneath um, an, anxiety or stress or, or overthinking or worry or um, certain behaviours that we do underneath all that it, it is a, a reluctance to accept that things are uncertain and 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 I think it's very much about just knowing what's going on underneath the surface. And there's a there's an acronym that I think is is sometimes really helpful. And it just helps us to pause and reflect on what's going on for us in the moment. And that is, is apple. So A P P L E. The first step is to acknowledge that that when we are overly stressed or or overly worried, that that it's actually uncertainty that's the problem rather than something else. Uh, and and acknowledging that that what we're thinking those anxious thoughts that are going around in our heads, they're not necessarily facts, they're, they're thoughts and their feelings that, that come and go. So we're, we're acknowledging what's going on for us in the present moment. And then P, we pause and just notice, notice what's going on. And then the other P stands for pull back. So we need to just step back from the situation and observe it with a bit of distance. And just, and just notice that, that what we're experiencing is not necessarily kind of reality, but it's, it's what we're experiencing in the moment. And it's a consequence of experiencing and living with uncertainty. And then the L stands for letting go. So we need to let go of this need for certainty um, and let go of, of anxious thoughts if we can. And, and again, this is not necessarily easy. It's quite simple, but it's not, not easy. But there are ways of of practicing this, letting go of of difficult thoughts. And then the final part of this is Apple acronym is is E for engage. So we want to engage with the present moment uh, as opposed to getting swept up in in all kinds of worst case scenarios and and what ifs. We need to, to ground ourselves in the present moment with what's going on around us in the here and now. And again, there are a, n- a number of different techniques and ideas to, to help us to do that. Um, and we sometimes call these grounding exercises.
1: Can you say a bit more, um, Effie, about what what you mean by by grounding exercises? Yeah.
0: So, so when when we're getting swept away in thoughts about either the future, you know, an uncertain future, or or stuff that's happened in the past, when we're getting bogged down in, in rumination. Really, we, the only thing that is that we know is real is the present moment. And we want to be able to ground ourselves in it and to remind ourselves that this is where we are. Um, we're safe in the, in the present moment. And a grounding exercise will help us to do that. And it tends to be a very simple, straightforward method of just pulling us back to the present moment. Um, and there are a number of different techniques and uh, for for doing this and we will put some ideas uh, on our website alongside this podcast if you want to look into grounding exercises more so so we want to to in the first place recognize when uncertainty is a problem when it's triggering off this tendency to worry or get stressed or to behave in a way that we don't really want to be behaving and then maybe managing our worry letting go of our worry and our our anxious thoughts and challenging some of those behaviors as well Mm -hmm. and Kat you were talking about certain so-called safety behaviors that that go hand in hand sometimes with anxiety and with, with uncertainty how do we go about dropping those safety behaviors so
1: I think the first thing um, is is to kind of think about you know why we would want to do that because it's not a particularly easy thing to contemplate doing. Um, it can make us feel very anxious. The idea of letting go of our safety behaviors um, because they do reduce our anxiety for a little while. Um, so why would we want to do it? And the reason we would want to do it is because the problem with worry is that because those worries are hypothetical, we can't totally or permanently disprove them. I can. Know that there's only you know perhaps a less than a one in a million chance that if I get on a plane that plane will crash but I can't be completely certain that it's not going to you know so we feel better for a short period and then something else pops up that reminds us of the worry and the worry goes ah yeah it was okay last time but what if it's not now you better check again or what if it was only okay last time because of that thing you did and so you end up in this kind of cycle where these safety behaviors take up more and more of your life and they make you feel less and less confident in your ability to cope if things go wrong and so resisting the urge to kind of do these behaviors feels really really hard at first but actually what I find is that most people are quite surprised at how quickly their anxiety reduces when when you resist sort of engaging in a safety behavior. And it becomes actually quite quickly sort of easier and easier not to keep returning to to the worry and to the behaviour, and that's because my brain will quite quickly learn that even though I didn't do the safety behaviour, nothing bad happened. I don't need to check my emails 20 times before I send them, you know, to make sure that I haven't made a mistake. And the other thing um, with we're not talking about eliminating uncertainty; we're talking about tolerating the idea that sometimes things do go wrong. So the other thing that dropping safety behaviours can do is help us to learn that if things don't go according to plan that's still okay we can cope with it much better than we expect to be able to so although it's tough and it does feel really scary at first it's also very worth doing if you're noticing you know when we're talking that that you're thinking that perhaps there are things in your own life that that kind of fall into this category of things you do to make yourself feel better gets easier quickly and it is a really helpful way out of those kind of endless stressful loops.
2: And Kat, I just want to uh, underscore something you were saying there about this being hard but really worthwhile because yeah. if if you are able to find a way to maybe drop some of these safety behaviours and actually be able to kind of experience and work with the uncertainty, the, the prize for doing that is massive because uh, it might well enable you to get on and do the things that really matter to you. So to get on and take effective action in the world, to be the kind of person you want to be. So those those things that were previously holding you back, you know, step, stopping you from stepping on the aeroplane, or uh, stopping you from speaking to the person you've been too afraid to speak to. Those things become more more possible so there's a real prize to being able to work with and maybe drop some of those things that are, are getting in the way.
1: Absolutely that's yeah that's a really great point Paul and it's really uh, you know it's really important you know there is a there is a really good reason why we would want to do this um, and that's because it can really pay off and, and improve our quality of life.
0: So thank you Paul and Kat and thank you for tuning in. We hope that you found it useful and worthwhile to think with us about this quite difficult topic and that you have a few ideas to go away and try. So we'll put some links up on the website for further resources for you to have a look at. We'd really welcome any feedback that you have and even any suggestions for the next podcast. So please do get in touch with any ideas that you might have. Just email listening at bath.ac.uk. So goodbye from the three of us. Thank you for joining us and do tune in for the next episode.